a little bit of volatility, or actually, should I say, quite a bit of volatility in equity markets. Um, and somewhat now that appears to be over at least short term as the stimulus bill's been signed and everyone's very happy again and, and buying stocks um, across the board. I think a similar picture, picture in India. Um, you have some more specific issues on inflation, um, uh, supply side inflation that uh, keeps Indian prices elevated. Uh, but the government's been able to manage uh, at least bond yields uh, through its twist program, short to long, um, and uh, yields around 6.2%. Uh, sort of stabilising, similar to what we're seeing in the US 10-year. So not a huge amount of impact. The equity is still very, very attractive and still seeing quite a lot of foreign direct investment to drive prices up. So on, on the whole, a very similar pattern to what you saw in terms of market behaviour in India, uh, but nothing particularly unique that would suggest that uh, India has a specific issue to deal with. Toby, thanks very much. Have a great weekend. That's Toby Lawson, the CEO of Society General India. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. A final look at the markets for this morning. In Australia, the SX200 is up about two-thirds of a percent. Uh, the Nikkei 225 in Japan is flat. The Cosby is up about one and a quarter percent in South Korea. And futures markets suggesting a gain of about a hundred points on the Hang Seng at the open this morning. In the commodities markets, gold is a little bit firmer at $1,725 an ounce and Brent crude oil is trading at $69.65 a barrel. That's it from me this week. Have a great weekend. Stay tuned to Radio 3. Back check coming up with Hugh Chiverton and Danny Gissings. The weather forecast mainly fine, warm during the day, maximum temperature of about 26 degrees. The outlook, sunny periods in the next couple of days, relatively moist midweek next week with coastal mist in the morning and at night. 21 degrees right now, 86% relative humidity. It's 8.32 with the news headlines. Here's Samantha Butler. The United States has criticised Beijing's reforms of Hong Kong's electoral system, which will see an expanded election committee nominate candidates for the post of chief executive and the legislature. State Department spokesman Ned Price said the reforms were a direct attack on Hong Kong's autonomy, freedoms and democratic processes. The British Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab said the changes would further undermine confidence and trust in Beijing. But China's charge d'affaires in London, Yang Xiaoguang, warned the UK not to interfere. We urge the British government not to intervene in any form of China's internal affairs. Sanctions won't work. China is now the number two economy in the world, and we're the largest treating partner for more than 120 countries. And it is our firm willingness to safeguard our interests at any cost. The pr- President Biden has signed into law his $1.9 trillion stimulus bill. At the signing, the President said his American rescue plan was historic legislation. It's clear that an overwhelming uh, percentage of uh, the American people, Democrats, independents, or Republican friends, have made it clear, the people out there, made it clear they strongly support the American rescue plan. This historic legislation is about rebuilding the backbone of this country. The package provides a direct payment to most Americans of $1,400, as well as $350 billion for state and local governments.
State mouthpiece The Global Times says China will soon hold its first trial for Canadians Michael Spavor and Michael Kovrig, who have been held on the mainland since 2018 and were charged with espionage in June last year. The two were arrested in December 2018, shortly after Huawei Chief Financial Officer Meng Wanzhou was arrested in Canada on a U.S. warrant. She faces charges of misleading HSBC holdings about the Chinese tech giant's business dealings with Iran, which is under U.S. sanctions. The Global Times didn't say when a trial might take place. Hearings had been delayed because of the pandemic. Canada and the United States have repeatedly demanded China release the two Canadians, calling their arrest an act of hostage diplomacy. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Hugh Chiverton and your co-host today is Danny Gittings. Danny, good morning to you. Good morning. Today we're talking about the changes to Hong Kong's election system and about online scams. The chief executive yesterday expressed her administration's sincere gratitude to the National People's Congress for approving Beijing's plan for a drastic overhaul of Hong Kong's electoral system, saying the changes will fix the problem of too much politics in LegCo. She said the design of the territory's political structure is the prerogative of the central government and that the improvements planned are aimed at getting Hong Kong back on the right track. The plan, which officials say will make sure the SAR is ruled by patriots, was approved by the country's top legislature with 2,895 members voting for, no one voting against and one abstention. What happens next? Can the changes really pave the way to universal suffrage? Are they a step forward or a step backwards? Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us, backchat at rthk.hk, or you can call us and join the conversation. And our number is 233-88266, 233-88266. Later, we're going to be joined by the police to talk about two recent online scam formats. Joining us now, we've got some emails uh, which we'll get to in, in, in a moment, uh, but uh, first uh, we have uh, Regina Ip, Executive Councillor, New People's Party Chairwoman, and Fred Lee, former Democratic Party lawmaker and now a political consultant. Once again, our email address, backchat at rthk.hk. Regina Ip, good morning. Let's go to you first. Now, 25 years ago, we had one third of uh, the Legislative Council directly elected. Um, according to these reforms, uh, the maximum that's going to be directly elected um, under the new format is going to be one third of the Legislative Council. So basically, we're turning the clock back a quarter of a century, right? Uh, we are turning back in terms of the directly elective elements, you know. But uh, that is a good thing for Hong Kong because the movement toward greater mass participation in the past 20-odd years has not produced good outcomes for Hong Kong, put it mildly. It has only produced more and more chaos and obstruction in the Legislative Council and violence in our society. So I think an overhaul of the system is necessary. You yourself repeatedly participate in direct elections. You, you seem to think that that was the path forward for Hong Kong. You, you chose yes. to stand in direct elections, not functional constituencies. Yeah, definitely. And I have benefited from it. I've learned from the political process. Unfortunately, since I joined the Legislative Council in 2008, it has been uh, a downward, you know, a decline, a consistent, a steady decline into chaos and disorder and obstruction in the Legislative Council. My pandemic colleagues did things like screaming from their seats, you know, using loopholes to obstruct procedures, throwing objects in the Council, behavior that will not be acceptable in any 
legislature, whether in US or UK or Europe. So basically you're saying the last 25 years was a mistake and the basic law made a mistake when it uh, provided for an increase in the proportion of directly elected um, legislators in the Legislative Council. The basic law sets out clear conditions. Um, Universal suffrage is the ultimate goal, but the preconditions are gradual and orderly progress and in the light of actual situation. I'm afraid the movement toward universal suffrage has actually been derailed by my pan-democratic colleagues and others who fomented violence in our society. Isn't the real big problem that they had, that those people that you were complaining about had the support of the majority of people uh, in Hong Kong? Uh, and you can change the electoral system, but you've still got the same people. Uh, how are you uh, going to change them? I think um, the, that will the discontent in our society will have to be dealt with by ways other than the electoral process, by better policies, um, greater equality, redistribution, um, policies that will reduce the wealth gap in our society, uh, ensure greater justice and deal with the deep-seated problems like land and housing shortage and lack of upward mobility for the young people. But when you take autonomy away from people, what's going to be... I mean, I don't know anywhere in the world where uh, 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 rights have been removed. Um, you may be familiar with uh, de Tocqueville, who said there is no more invariable rule in the history of society. The further electoral rights are extended, the greater is the need of extending them. For after each concession, the strength of democracy increases and its demand increases with its strength. Well, that's, that's top field back in the, I think, um, 18th century, you know. But there are now other political scientists, Huntington said, there is no intrinsic value in an equal right to vote unless you can produce good outcomes. The purpose of any political system must be but to you, produce good outcomes. But you have to, and our yeah. electoral reform has not produced good outcomes for Hong Kong. Uh, hunting, you might, might have said that, but uh, you have to convince the people of that, don't you? And if you uh, take away rights to. from people... Un unfortunately, it's very hard to convince and uh, talk to the, the... It's really hard to talk to the general public about political theories, you know. That, that's, not, that's not unique in Hong Kong. Worldwide, you know, the, the growing trend is people vote according to their group, even group predilections, their cognitive biases. It's very hard. A lot of American thinkers have been raising questions about the value of mass democracy. So the people can't be trusted to make the right choice, basically. The rise of the Internet, the, the, the spread of disinformation, lies, falsehood, you know, has negatively impacted elections in many parts of the world. Hong Kong is not unique in, in this. I can cite you many scholarly studies on this. this so, you so, so you're saying ignore what people think? No, I think we will, there will still be directly, directly elective element in, in the Legislative Council. Um, there may be 20 seats, 30 seats. Those elected will, will have a very large mandate, you know, and they will be able to reflect public opinion and political parties... But they will be the minority. Well, they'll be... That you, it doesn't mean that if directly elected representatives are the majority, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that they will produce good outcomes. On the contrary, you know, um, our directly elected colleagues um, are those who have created a lot of chaos in our legislative council.
You said directly elected colleagues. At the moment, you're one of them. Were you, were you still... I well, we, I was the victim of a lot of the filibustering. Will you still stand for direct election, or will you, might you consider switching to one of these other election methods instead? Uh, I, I would prefer to stand for direct elections. But, I'm, I don't have pro I'm not a professional. You know, I don't think I can stand for the professional categories. To, to, to be clear, then, these, these reforms are aimed at reducing the influence of ordinary people. I think in, in the political reform, process, um, because I you think, because they can't be trusted, and, uh, uh, and I, so I, uh, what, my question is just: uh, what do you expect the ordinary people to say to that? I um, I'll put it in the other way. I think these reforms are aimed at improving governance, ensuring the sustainability of one country to systems, and ensuring that people who undermine our national interests do not get elected to the legislative council. When you're talking this way, Regina, it reminds me very much of when you were Secretary for Security and you famously commented about how democracy had led to the uh, rise of Adolf Hitler in, in Nazi Germany. Well, that's just a fact. There are scholarly studies about that. I researched that subject. There is a book called Who Voted for Hitler? Analyzing in great detail over different constituencies, people who voted for him. And there are other, um, uh, other um, you know, um, autocrats who were uh, by nature autocrats, who were elected by popular, uh, by universal suffrage, you know. I think I was telling the truth. People were very unfair to me. I can send you this book if you are interested. Okay, uh, there's an email from Matthew who says, it was always clear that the electoral system would be improved after the 35-plus campaign made it clear to the CCP that they would lose in a system they mistakenly thought they'd rigged to ensure they'd always win. Actually, what I find more surprising and ridiculous is that for the last couple of weeks, the global media and most Western democratic governments have been sucked into the CCP's dystopian narrative referring to this as a proposal, improvement or reform, and an election system. The moment it was proposed, it was a decision, not a plan. Look at the vote, 2,895 to nothing. It only improves or reforms the electoral system from the perspective of an authoritarian dictatorship. For the rest of us, it represents the final destruction and full conversion of a somewhat genuine election system into a party-controlled selection system. We even heard earlier this week that Regina was not considered patriotic enough to be consulted on these changes. Regina, what do you plan to do to improve your patriotism quotient to ensure you can continue to enjoy your current power and privilege now that more patriotic new Hong Kongers from the mainland appear set to rule Hong Kong. Is getting on the radio this morning and telling us these improvements are Hong Kong people's own fault part of your plan to be more patriotic? That's from Matthew. Monsieur? Um, actually, many of us in the pro-establishment camp, party leaders, we have ongoing conversations with mainland officials on what has gone wrong in our society. You know, we have a dialogue, you know, uh, whether it is, it may not be a formal consultation, but it doesn't not, does not mean that we are completely left out in the loop. Of course, we are not told or be consulted on all the complete details. I think the uh, central government has consulted different uh, people from different sectors. You know, I think we have all been involved in one way or the other, and I don't think I need to justify to Matthew how patriotic I am. You know? My track record speaks for itself. OK, also joining us is um, Fred Lee, now a political consultant, but a former Democratic Party lawmaker. And in fact, I think, Fred Lee, you were in the LegCo in either 1991 or fairly shortly afterwards when you started to have Democratic elections. What, what's now the future for Democratic elections in Hong Kong, Fred Lee? 
That is really what I'm trying to say. You know, uh, I I've been in uh, participated the first ever you know direct election since uh, 1991. Yeah. That is uh, uh, the uh, nine constituency with two seats, and people can vote for two votes. Okay, this is a this a system at that time, and I was elected. Okay, 18 seats directly elected at that time is appointed member, functional, and you know. We are in the minority, okay, in out of 60. And then 95 changed to single seat, single vote by Chris Patton. Definitely not get a through train because that is opposed by China. Reason simple. At that time, 20 seats, increasing two seats, okay, from 18 to, to, to 20. There is a progress, so-called by the British government, UK government at that time. And... Uh, the great star of uh, DAB, like Jasper Zhang, Cheng Gai Lam, they are lost, defeated by the one is less popular opponent by single seat, single vote. So, by after the turnover, uh, turnover, you know, again going back to China, 1997, we come up with a proportionate representative election, changed totally from single seat, single vote in order to protect the pro-establishment, you know, candidate like Jasper Zhang and Chen Gailam. And they got elected in under the system. It's protecting minority. Because if you have a, even a small market of vote, you can still get elected. So that's the aim of the proportional representative. And then now we changed. Because even under this system, the most radical, maybe pro-independent of Hong Kong, the candidate got highest vote, really high turnout, and they got elected. So protect, protecting another kind of minority. But now this minority is not really minority, especially in the younger generation. So you look at the district council election in 2019. It's, it's really the turning point that really pushed the Communist China, our central government, to come up with a really drastic change, or we call, you know, use heavy medicine to cure this disease. What Regina say disease is, the election come out with not a good turnout, the output, the product are not popular. But how about Regina's uh, point that the Democratic camp has only itself to blame because of the way that various members of the pro-democracy camp have behaved in the last five or ten years and that's pushed, uh, basically pushed uh, for, Beijing into a corner? It, it, it's fair, it's fair. I, I myself, you know, I always belong to the moderate and I, I really believe communication, dialogue with China. I always belong to that camp. And now I've become the minority in the pan-democrat. Okay, that, that's also the reality. Why? I think we have all raised the same questions. Why the elections come up with such you know, radical pro-independent candidate get highly get elected? Why? The question is why? It's not really, you know, the product, okay, you're not satisfied. They, they're filibustering. They make a lot of shows and really drag, uh, prolonged. Uh, uh, that's all fact. Okay, I will not deny that. But and then we have to ask the questions. Why the Hong Kong people, you know, trust those candidates, put their vote to those candidates? I think these questions 
should be asked, should be answered by central government as well. You know, now they only see the outcome, the product, and they never evaluate. You know, is Kerry doing a good job? Is all the Hong Kong pro-establishment legislators doing a good job? You know, they, they have all the favor from China. They have the resources. They are coordinated by China. And, and still, still, those radicals get elected. All right. Our number is 233 We've got a caller on the line now. Uh, James, I think. James, good morning. Hello. Hi, good morning. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I guess my question is for uh, Regina. And it's to do with, uh, I mean, going forward with uh, LegCo, um, is there even a point of having a legislative council uh, if one, uh, as uh, pro-Beijing uh, legislators, you can't actually put forward legislation, it's rubber stamping stuff that's put forward by the government. Sorry, Monsieur, are you saying that the current are you saying that the current turmoil then is similarly the result of uh, ignoring public opinion? Uh, 
哋知， if you are talking about、um, Well, of course, the currency turmoil. We are talking about the turmoil in 2019. Large numbers who took to the streets. The, the reasons are complicated. It's not just because of one piece of legislation. There is anger in many parts of our society for different reasons.、Mm. I think land and housing shortage is a serious problem. People have no hope. Young people have no hope of getting themselves a decent home. There is. A growing inequality in our society. These problems have to be addressed, but they can't be addressed if our if our be- because perhaps hmm, perhaps the logic of what James is is, is concerned about is that、uh, is that、uh, problems, as you say, are caused. A turmoil can be caused by an administration, a government not listening to to the people, and and of course that was a common cry, and that has been a common cry. From the pan-democratic camp for for、uh, decades, but it seems well, like the new system will actually reduce avenues well, for the public to the public to play a role and to have their voice heard. And so, what do you expect well, to happen? Well, James has followed、um, legal proceedings、um, really closely. He might have noticed that actually the pro-establishment legislators are also very critical. They are also very critical of government. You know. My colleague from、uh, the Liberal camp, Liberal Party, Tommy Tommy Jung, for example, he is opposed to the the, the bill to charge for sewage、um, uh, sewage collection, municipal solid waste collection scheme, and he's been opposing it. We we have opposed many government legislation that we disapprove of. You know, it's we are it's not the just the pandemic to play the role of opposition. We have to. We function like that、uh, very often. Okay, James. Many, many thanks for your call. Our number is two three three eight eight two six six. Alan, in an email, says Ip stated that there will be gradual progress towards universal suffrage. She's lying. No polite way to say otherwise. All progress since nineteen ninety seven has been the reverse. When that when that became undeniable to everyone, we had Occupy. When that was suppressed, we got the year of protests. That comes from Alan. Uh, Regina, can we pick up on another important point?、Uh, the issue of what it, what it means to be a patriot in Hong Kong. The、um, Secretary for Constitutional Mainland Affairs,、uh, former Director of Immigration, like yourself,、uh, Eric Jung, said you have to love the Communist Party to be a patriot.、Um, but uh, uh, Kerry Lam seems to suggest that wasn't necessary. W- what's your view on that?、Uh, that's definitely not necessary. That's neither policy nor statutory requirement anywhere. So, so the Secretary、know. was wrong when he said that. Well, I won't comment on that, but I won't go so far. I think what we we need the the com- Chinese Communist Party definitely deserves a large measure of respect from all of us for for what they have done for the country, particularly for those in governance position. We ought to respect our ruling party, but it doesn't mean that we have to. Uh, but it doesn't mean that anyone who runs for public office has to love the party. You know, we ought to have respect for the ruling party and respect national interests. That's for sure. Also, you yourself on RTHK interview yesterday spoke about reforming functional constituencies, and that、um, some of you thought some functional constituencies have been captured by the wrong elements. So, you, you see further elements of、um, electoral reform still to come. Well, I have always thought that、uh, some of our Particularly, financial services ought to be broadened. You know, currently, financial services only embrace exchange participants. You know,、uh, given Hong Kong status as an international financial centre, I think it should embrace、um, 
people who are conversant with uh, fintech, you know, high-end financial business, you know, private equity, uh, fund management, all the things we are promoting. We need people who are more knowledgeable. But no doubt about it. How about seats like legal, education, uh, the, the ones which are elected by much larger numbers of people? You talk. You want uh, those to be reformed as well? The accountancy, because I have run for elections, you know, unfortunately, the, the, the accountancy constituency, for example, from my 2016 experience, um, whoever ran under a democracy banner would get elected. In the 2012, even partners of large firms could get elected. Now you have no more partners. You only have young accountants. Nothing wrong with young accountants, but I think we would benefit from more experienced, you know, senior partners. Okay. That's, uh Representation. All right, some more, some more emails. Uh, uh, Tom says, uh, comparison with Macau could be an interesting topic to discuss. Macau seems to already have the sort of political system China is intending for Hong Kong. Macau government and society is functioning quite successfully. Macau has been doing a great job with COVID and the Western media isn't full of articles that it's the end of Macau. Things will eventually work out here and I'm hoping people around the world attracted to chicken little movements eventually find a new mascot and let Hong Kong find its own path. Andrew Kay says, Regina is right. If you want to debate her, you need to get smarter presenters. And uh, Eve says, if the voter turnout falls below 50% in the next election, or there are too many blank votes, would the non-voters be, be branded as not patriotic? Cheers. That comes uh, from uh, Eve. Um, thank you very much indeed for, for joining us uh, this morning. Uh, Ms. Hip there, Regina Yip, uh, Executive Councillor, a New People's Party uh, Chairwoman, and uh, thanks to uh, Fred Lee, a former Democratic lawmaker and uh, political consultant. The Chairman of the Democratic Party, Lokin Hay, will be joining us uh, later in the programme. We're also going to be talking to a policeman about uh, uh, cybercrime and uh, online scams. Uh, we want to hear your thoughts as well, uh, as ever. Uh, email backchat at rghk.hk. We'll do our best to read out your messages uh, or you can comment on our Facebook page or give us a call 233-88266 the number the weather mainly fine warm temperatures up to about 26 degrees the outlook sunny periods in the next couple of days 21 degrees at the moment and the relative humidity at 84% the protesters and ethnic minority communities were being targeted he called for sanctions and other coordinated action you're listening to the news on RTHK Welcome back. This is Backchat this Friday morning with Danny Gittings and me, Hugh Chiverton. We're talking about the uh, changes to Hong Kong's uh, electoral uh, system uh, approved by the uh, NPC. Uh, we were talking in the first part of the programme to Regina Yip, Executive Councillor, and uh, to uh, Fred Lee, uh, former Democratic Party uh, lawmaker, now political consultant. We're joined now by Lokin Hay, who's the chairman of the Democratic Party uh, and uh, also chairman of the uh, Southern District Council. Later, we're going to be talking about uh, cybercrime and uh, online scams. Uh, if you want to uh, contribute, we want to hear from you. You can call us on 233 you can email backchat at rthk.hk uh, or you can comment on our Facebook page as well and share your thoughts there. That's Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. 
Uh, Bowen, in an email, says, uh, Dear Backchat, to be honest, authentic democracy for the Hong Kong SAR has been a non-starter from day one of its life. If people had hopes in the first 17 years, these hopes would have been crucially dashed in 2014 by the MPCSC's 831 package. Like the American politicians in the Clinton and Obama administrations who hoped that the admission of China into WTO and economic integration would mitigate security competition and persuade the Chinese regime to open up and undergo structural reform, those who now argue that accepting the 831 package would have put Hong Kong in an ev- on an evolutionary path to fair representation are just as guilty of self-delusion. Events in the last few days clearly show that what the central authorities want is a rubber stamp legco. That the past elections did not work from the CPG's angle cannot be laid at the door of the electorate or the pandems, as seems to be the position of Regina Ip this morning. If the candidates of the DAB, FTU and so on had been of much better quality, if the executive branch's policy decisions over infrastructure, medical services, housing and so on had been much better thought out, and the political imperatives of the CPG itself over local issues had been more in tune with the interests and sentiments of the locals, the results could have been hugely better. Alas, that was not meant to be, and we should all know why. As the dust over CE and LegCo election settles, the one area of focus for everyone, domestic and abroad, is that of judicial independence and the maintenance of the common law system in Hong Kong. That's from Bowen. We're now joined by Lokin Hay. Lokin Hay is uh, chair of the Democratic Party and also chair of Southern Dif- District Council. Uh, good morning, Mr. Lowe. Welcome to Back Chat. Good morning. Now, will the Democratic Party be participating in uh, future elections as going forward under the new new system for elections in Hong Kong? We uh, we're not having the time to discuss this yet, but uh, I can I can say is uh, for the past two days I, I've been talking to my party members uh, in some chances in some occasions. Uh, the the fact is that uh, the people who are willing to join or willing to participate in an election in this kind of uh, format is much much less. Uh, the people who initially they have the interest to join or to participate in the legislative council election, uh, their interests are faded. Uh, so uh, this is the, the, the reality that we are facing, but uh, of course we will decide later whether or not we will join. So there's going to be less enthusiasm, but you're not saying that there won't be participation finally? Uh, I'm, I, I won't say that yet, because uh, we, we, still, we still didn't have the chance to discuss, and uh, I think it is uh, important for us to... Uh, to thoroughly uh, think about uh, what is the benefit and what is the uh, what is the pros and cons for us to join and not to join. So um, there, are, and and of course, I think there are a lot of different uh, solutions for for us to to to, to, to handle or to think about. Uh, for example, we can boycott it altogether, or we can uh, join the election in in full force. And of course, we can have some middle ground whether or not we can uh, send one or two representatives to only uh, show as uh, to show up there. Uh, uh, so we, we have a lot of different uh, options here, but uh, I think we have the we have the feeling that uh, even though we can get there, uh, the whole legislative council is no longer what we have seen in the past. 
No, the fu- future of Hong Kong politics is pretty clear. You have to be as what might be called a loyal opposition to survive. Um, and the, the, the new vetting process will, will, will make clear, clear that. Do you think the Democratic Party itself might change? The Democratic Party's changed several times over its history. I mean, you um, negotiated a compromise with the government in 2010 over electoral reform. Do you think we, we might move back to a Democratic Party being the sort of the, the moderate voice of the Democratic camp? still be the moderate voice for the democratic camp, but uh, whether or not uh, the government will accept us, I, I don't I don't, I don't know, because the, because the so-called red line, the, the criteria, is always different. It's, it's changing every day, every month. So uh, I think uh, it is not up to us uh, to think about whether or not we can join. And I don't think uh, the Democratic Party will change uh, ourselves or to, to lower our bottom line or to change our ideology. Just for the sake of uh, being able to get into the election. I think what we have seen uh, in the past for the Democratic Party, uh, you can see uh, how we act, you can see what is our ideology. We support one country, two system, and we support uh, Hong Kong returning to China. And if that is not enough uh, for, for being a patriot in nowadays uh, definition, then we have no, we have no other options, but uh, we will stick on to our ideology. Do you, do you agree with Virginia in the first part of the programme who's saying there is something wrong in LegCo? The LegCo had got worse and worse, basically. The, the shouting had got louder and louder um, and the, the filibustering had got worse until the system was basically paralysed and it really needed and it really needs and could benefit from, in terms of governance, a good shake-up and that's what's coming. Well, I think what is getting worse is that uh, you can see nowadays the legislative council, you can't see any further stuff Filibustering, uh, and you can't see uh, a lot of people chanting uh, slogans. Uh, but is this uh, a working legislative council nowadays? Uh, currently, no, it is not. The the most important problem that the legislative council is having. What do you mean? It's not a working legislature. Well, the legislature it is not reflecting the people's voice. It is just some puppets there uh, being a stamp, uh, being a rubber stamp there. So uh, the, the, I think for for, for the most part uh, in the HKSAR era, the, the most important problem that we have in the Legislative Council is that it is not representative of the people. Uh, you have half of the people uh, still elected by uh, the, the functional constituency, uh, and, and, and now they're, they're trying to uh, even suppress uh, the proportion of those who are returned by direct election. So um, it, is, it is just uh, it is just it will just keep on having those kinds of problems because when you look at the extradition bill at the very beginning, 2019, um, the, the problem that the people have, why the people went onto the street and, and have a lot of uh, different voices and then getting escalated, the most important uh, reason is that the government is not responsive to the people and the Legislative Council is not responsive to the public opinion. That is the problem. And if they want to solve this problem, and they always uh, cite the 2019 protest as something that is very serious and they have to uh, deal with that and this is something they, they cannot uh, tolerate, then, then you have to make sure that the people's voice can be uh, reflected in the Legislative Council vote. 
it's not the other way around. Now, in future, only patriots will be allowed to stand for election. We heard the chief executive saying uh, yesterday that uh, to be a patriot means you have to respect the constitutional order of the People's Republic of China, including the leadership of the Communist Party. You don't have to love it, but you have to respect it. Um, uh, do, do, do you meet those criteria? Well, I don't know, because uh, this kind of criteria is it's always changing. And then I don't believe that Carrie uh, Lemon well, no, that's can define... Do you, do you respect the authority of the, of the Chinese Communist Party? I respect that Hong Kong is a part of the... Uh, is a part of the People's Republic of China, and I respect that the People's Republic of China is now ruled by the uh, Chinese Communist Party. So it sounds and, like basically saying yes. Uh, you, 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 you meet, yeah, I, I understand the point you're making. Yeah, you, you, you don't know how that they will then define it in, in the end, but uh, from the criteria that Carrie Lam um, uh, laid down yesterday, you seem to be saying that uh, you, you, can accept, you, you, you can accept those criteria. Well, I, I, I think this is some fact that we have to acknowledge. And I don't believe that Carrie Lam is the one who can define who is a patriot. Yeah. Do you think, in some senses, say you're saying the Democratic Party will remain the moderate voice within the Democratic camp? So you are the lit- litmus test. If um, candidates from the Democratic Party aren't allowed, then there'll, there'll be nobody from the Democratic camp at all. Well, I, I won't say that because, um, um, of course, we are one of the forces in the Democratic camp. But uh, whether or not we are... Uh, the only testing case, uh, I, I, I can't say that, but I think most importantly uh, for the, most of the Hong Kong people, uh, after they see this proposal, uh, they just feel disenfranchised. This is a very important problem. If all the people, if all those supporters from, uh, of those uh, pro-democratic uh, pro camp, uh, if they got disenfranchised and they are not interested in, in, in getting into the election, and in the future, I just feel uh, the people will just keep on having those uh, this, uh, uh, the discontent uh, they have. Uh, they still have a lot of opinions of the government, but at the same time, they're just keeping it to themselves. And, and one day, it will explode. Have you had resignations from the Democratic Party? Uh, no, I didn't have that yet. You said yet, almost as if you kind of expect, because we saw, of course, among the uh, 47 who were arrested for subversion during the bail hearings, um, quite a significant number of them saying that they're, they're, they're willing to get, give up politics and concentrate on their professional careers. I'm, mm. I'm wondering if uh, you, you might see that sort of trend among some of your members, that um, they, who are a lot of presumably professionals, they prefer just to return to professional work and politics is almost too dangerous now. That I can understand, but uh, for my party, uh, I didn't receive that kind of uh, resignation yet. But, but of course, if there are some people who who who, who, who uh, resign from their seats or they will uh, just leave our party or, or what uh, whatever. I, I think it is understandable at this point of time. But uh, I respect everybody's re- uh, decision at the end. Uh, but at this point of time, uh, we didn't have that kind of uh, uh, things that happens yet. We also heard Michael Tin uh, uh, this morning uh, talking about the advantages of this uh, new sector within within uh, Legco that uh, that there could be uh, some talent there. There could be some uh, wise heads uh, who would might have been put off by the the fighting. uh, I mean, literal fighting in many cases when it comes to sort of uh, uh, direct uh, elections. Uh, But uh, uh, knowledgeable uh, uh, people who could contribute. to Hong Kong and uh, we could tap their wisdom uh, through this new section in the Legislative Council uh, and that would be that would be to everyone's benefit. Well, 
即係 the new sector in the legislative council, the election committee、uh, sector.、Uh, what we can see in the past is that it is just some loyalists.、Uh, Uh, it, it would just be an infighting between the loyalists to compete to be the most loyal one and get into that legislative council subsector. And、uh, whether or not those、uh, so-called wisdom, wise person、uh, who are able to to help the government, are they really willing to just、uh, be、uh, fighting in that kind of arena,、uh, fighting to be the most loyal guy there?、Uh, I have a lot of doubt, and I have a lot of doubt that、uh, if this legislative council is so、um, is so、uh, less representative of the people than in the past,、uh, whether or not more people are interested in getting into the legislative council, this is just.、Um, Uh, unbelievable for me. Now, of course, it's going to be the current legislative council will pass the detailed laws about、uh, changing the election system, and there no Democrats or almost no Democrats left in the current legislative council.、Uh, with the benefit of hindsight, was it a mistake for your party members to?、Uh, we understand why your party members resigned from the legislative council, but was that a mistake? You, you should have stayed, and then you would you would be able to be inside,、um, trying to affect the debate o- over things like the new electoral law. Well, I think if you're still inside the MPC or the MPCSC, we'll make some more uh, 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 different arrangements、uh, for this kind of、uh, legislation because they want to do it.、Uh, they just wanted、uh, the Hong Kong、uh, SAR government and the Legislative Council to to do whatever they want this time. Uh, so uh, if we are still there, I think they will bypass the Legislative Council altogether and just made a law, just like the National Security Law.、Uh, it didn't need any、uh, support or, or votes in the Legislative Council. So I think I don't think uh, uh, in 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 this sense uh, uh, we are being there、uh, is helpful or is able to try to discuss or to block or to delay the. The a, a, a lot of people will also say, I think, that in general, this is ultimately the pan-democrats' fault. You pushed it too far. You pushed it too hard. You pushed you pushed Beijing into a corner. And what do you expect? They warned you. They warned you again and again. And this is this is what happened. Well, I think、uh, those people need to understand that、uh, at the very beginning of those. Of those things they don't like,、uh, those violence protests. Uh, uh, if they don't like that, they have to look back into why that happened. And and as I mentioned, if the legislative council they can reflect the views of the people in the in the June of 2019, the extradition bill will be stopped there by the legislative council because the the, the chief executive couldn't get enough vote there. And if they want to solve those problems, they have to listen to what the people think instead of、uh, just throwing out everybody、uh, who who are, who are vocal to oppose or to have an opposition against the government.、Uh, I think they have to look at that, and and if they can,、uh, if you if you if you violently the- oppose somebody. With with petrol bombs and、uh, whatever was used in the arsenals in in 2019, do you really expect them to say, "Oh yeah, you've got a point. Yeah, I, I was wrong all along." It's not going to happen, well, is it? Well, I think it didn't happen just at the very beginning. It just escalated, and we have been warning the government that. And now it has to be de-escalated. Now you have to. The argument is that now you'd have to take it back. Well, I think we 
really want the government that if they don't accept the voice of the people, the people will just fight. And the government didn't listen to us. And of course, you can still blame us uh, or, or, or those people that can still blame us. But uh, I think the reality is that they can blame whoever they want. But the reality is that if the government is not responsive to the voice of the people, this will happen again and again and again now, in the future. Okay, so some uh, emails. Um, uh, let's see. Um Marcus says the only reason online scams, that's what we're going to be talking about soon, are so successful here is that people are so scared that the CCP really can spirit you away to a black jail, because they do. They will pay up. The exact reaction to an, illegit in an illegitimate dictatorship. Uh, Mike says LegCo will return to the 70s and 80s when I would listen to speakers rant on against bills and or spending projects for 30 minutes, telling us what was wrong with it. Then immediately after the vote for the, uh, immediately after vote for the same thing they ranted against. Good British patriots. Uh, Gobax says Hong Kong's period of turmoil was caused by the government's lack of mandate, by the lack of voice the public has in policy making, and the failure to prove the political pluralism the basic law promised. The reforms will serve to exacerbate this, and only the NSL can suppress discontent. It will ultimately fail. Um, uh, Matthew, uh, in another uh, comment, follow-up comment to Regina, says Regina is in a futile, self-interest-driven battle with the likes of Ronnie Tong and Tamu Chung for pragmatic patriot of the decade. Regina, it's not me you need to convince of your genuine patriotism. I do remember how days before the 2016 District Council election, you suddenly showed empathy for the young protesters in a desperate attempt to save yourself. However, I still fully trust that if the current situation, you'll be more than sufficiently patriotic to sell out Hong Kong people in order to preserve and expand on your personal power and privilege. But I'm not so sure that the CCP is convinced, as I am, given that they passed you over for CE and also didn't consult you on these reforms. And Bowen says, as I've said, as I've said those scenes in LegCo are the result of many things, the failings of the executive branch, the quality of the pro-establishment camp, the comprehensive jurisdiction mentality adopted since 2014 against the clear terms of the basic law and the joint declaration, and the human frailties of the pandemics, of course. Regina should note that even a pro-establishment LegCo member like Michael Tin once reckoned that the questions and arguments previously raised by pandem LegCo members were as a whole better in quality than those of the pro-establishment members. The pandem legislators as a group just did their homework better, made better suggestions, but as their effort almost always got blocked over the major issues, they understandably became radicalised gradually. But if the quality of the government had been better thought out or if it had taken more into account the suggestions from legislators who had the majority of public support the legislators would not have been as frustrated and the antics and occasional turbulent scene in LegCo, which Regina complained about, would definitely have been significantly mitigated. To blame the pandemic legislators totally for having acted radically against bad major policy decisions is to put the cart before the horse, Hugh. That is from Bowen. Bowen, thank you very much indeed for that. Thank you to, for all the emails and thank you to uh, Lokin Hay, Chairman of the Democratic Party and also Chairman of the Southern District Council, um, joining us um, this morning. Once again, our email address backchat at rthk.hk or you can call us on 233-88266. Finally today, as uh, mentioned, we want to turn to the issue of uh, online uh, scams, uh, which have been uh, flourishing uh, in uh, Hong Kong uh, in uh, recent uh, days and uh, weeks. We're joined now by uh, Jackie Chow, a senior inspector with the Cyber Intelligence Division of Cybersecurity and uh, Technology in the C Technology Crime Bureau. Um, our email address, once again, backchat at rthk.hk. Uh, uh, Inspector Chow, good morning to you. 
Hi, uh, good morning. Thanks, Thanks so much indeed for, for joining us. I think there's a couple of uh, uh, scams that are, have come to light recently that I think are, are kind of interesting. The first one is, is called a brusher scam. Um, it's to do with employment, isn't it? What, what is that? How does that work? Okay, uh, so what happens is basically uh, these scammers would first advertise uh, part-time jobs for quick cash on uh, social media. And then uh, when the victims approach these scammers and ask about the job opportunities, these scammers would ask them to uh, make some online purchases in order to boost the sales figures for certain online vendors. And uh, these scammers would also provide a link to the victims um, uh, to link them to uh, certain online vendors for, te- for them to place the orders and ask them to put the uh, items in the online basket and take screenshots for confirmation. And uh, the scammers would also uh, promise the victim to pay a commission, which is about uh, 5 to 12% of the sales value, and uh, it would promise to uh, return together with the cost after the transaction. But uh, however, the uh, scammers would ask the victim not to make payments on the uh, online shopping platform, but instead make payments by uh, transferring to different uh, conventional and uh, virtual bank accounts. And uh, obviously, uh, after the transaction, the scammers would become out of reach and uh, the victims are left uh, with a loss of money. And the second scam, I've received myself every day numerous emails now from uh, purporting to be from Hong Kong Post and DHL and so on. The second scam is a sort of fake delivery scam, isn't it? How, how does that work? Tell us how much. Uh, yeah, so uh, for that one, these scammers would send emails or text messages to uh, potential victims that, and the text messages or emails pretend to be sent from a Hong Kong Post, and uh, they would tell the victims that they had a parcel uh, delivery pending confirmation. And uh, they would also give a hyperlink that directs the victim to a phishing website that looks like the website of Hong Kong Post. And so when the victims enter the uh, phishing website, they would be requested to fill in their credit card credentials uh, in order to make small payment of a few, uh, of a few dollars. But what actually happens is that the scammers would get the credit card credentials and they would make online purchases on uh, different online shopping platforms. And that is what uh, how the scam works. How, how successful was that? How many people fell for that? Do you know? Uh, for the uh, Hong Kong Post one, there are about uh, 120 victims so far, with a total uh, loss amount of uh, over 2 million Hong Kong dollars. Why do you think it's getting serious recently? Why is it so successful? Uh, we believe that it's partly due to the uh, change of lifestyle during the pandemic, where more and more people uh, have shifted to online shopping, which makes scams like this more plausible than before. Mm. How do you spot it? What are the tips for avoiding it? Um, the, for for the Hong Kong Post, though, it, we we have clarified with them that they would never request information like this via text messages or emails. So you can pretty much consider any text messages or email uh, purporting to be Hong Kong Post and requesting for information like this to be a fraud. But uh, however, in, in terms of uh, uh, phishing messages in general, we have we actually have a couple of uh, advices for the public and. Uh, First, that uh, uh, we advise not to open any attachment or click into any hyperlinks from uh, any suspicious emails or text messages. So if, if you have any doubt, you should make clarification with the uh, relevant institution with the uh, official content number. And uh, second is that uh, 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 don't tell anyone uh, important information about yourself, including credit card credentials or uh, bank account login details through email or telephone. And uh, lastly, we advise uh, to regularly re- uh, review transaction records of your uh, bank or credit card accounts. And if you see any suspicious transaction, you should inform the bank or the issuing institution immediately.
Problem is, you've been warning people for years and years about uh, to be. A, I know these particular type of emails is new, but in general terms, so that that kind of advice. But as you just shown, people people still do it. People still do. It's impossible to. Um, prevent everybody from um, from not following these precautions and clicking on links like that. Uh, yeah, which is why we are trying very hard to uh, educate the public about this kind of scam as well, just, just try to get the, get, get the message across to uh, everyone. Yeah. Well, what about with, with, that, with that brochure scam? What sort of people in particular are targeted through that? Uh, sorry, uh, do you mean what, what kind of people are targeted? Yeah, yeah. Why do some people, do you think, become victims of that? Well, um, based on the information that we have, uh, the victims of the scam have a, actually quite a wide variety of occupation and age group. So it seems that there's no obvious tendency as to which sector of the public are more likely to fall into this kind of scam. And you know these scammers are always there, always evolving. I mean, these these are both examples of new tactics that I'm sure that um, once you warn people about um, the, these tactics, the scammers will move on to other new tactics, won't they? So you, they're always, you might say, I suppose it's inevitable, they're almost one, always one step ahead of you. Uh, so which, which is why we're trying very hard. It's a, it's a great challenge for us to uh, get ahead of uh, what's going on with the, uh, um, uh, the new scammers and more and try to catch up with that. Are they actually based in Hong Kong, from, from what you understand, are they actually based in Hong Kong or are they operating from overseas targeting people in Hong Kong? Uh, based on some uh, analysis that we have, uh, uh, some of the syndicates is actually located overseas, which, is, uh, which, which, which makes, makes it more challenging for us to investigate as well. So Hong Kong is still seen as sort of, for these international scammers, Hong Kong is seen as an attractive t a target? Yes, definitely, yes. Well, we've had, we've had an email from uh, Tom. Uh, who says, I feel a bit sheepish to admit I was taken in by the Hong Kong Post scam. Fortunately, I came to my senses before providing the confirmation code that came to my phone, but too late to avoid having my credit card company ring me up and inform me that my card and supplementary cards would all need to be cancelled and replaced. Uh, that's uh, from Tom. Tom, uh, thanks very much indeed for that. And thank you to uh, Jackie Chow, uh, Senior Inspector of the Cyber Intelligence Division of Cyber Security and Technology and the Crime Bureau. Uh, one more uh, email uh, just on the issue. This is from Nigel. On the issue of uh, withdrawing um, MPF. Um, we had some uh, discussion about this and, and the question of uh, 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 the uh, BNO. Um, uh, Nigel says perhaps it should be clarified that the statutory limitations or exceptions preventing or allowing early withdrawal of an MPF fund only apply to that part of the fund which is derived from the statutory mandatory employer and employee contributions. MPF mandatory contributions are currently a maximum of 1500 a month for both employer and uh, employee. Um, should... Uh, uh, an employer or the employee voluntarily uh, contribute more. Uh, the voluntarily part is not subject to the statutory uh, with limitation on withdrawal. Uh, while some employers only pay at the statutory maximum contribution, it's not uncommon for employers to contribute 5 or even 75 or 10% of salary. Uh, in this case, this valid voluntary uh, element will be subject to contractual terms uh, as to vesting. For example, the employees will only receive the full amount if they work for 10 years or more. Therefore, it's too simplistic to say to a person 
person departing Hong Kong under the BNA will not be able to withdraw their MPF fund. It depends how the fund is made up. Uh, finally, a person aged 60 or above who has given up employment and has no intention of taking up new employment, i.e. taking early retirement, may apply for early withdrawal of all their MPF fund, mandatory or, volu- or voluntary, by submitting a statutory declaration. No documentary evidence is usually required. A person aged 60 or above intending to relocate overseas will inevitably no longer have un- Hong Kong employment and therefore they again should be able to withdraw all of their MPF fund. That's yeah, from that's very Nigel. important clarification actually, a number of important points there. Uh, thank you very much indeed for that Nigel. Uh, thank you very much indeed uh, Danny and uh, thanks to producer uh, Christy this morning. The weather it's going to be uh, mainly fine today, warm temperatures up to about 26 degrees today and the outlook sunny period is expected in the next couple of days. Relatively moist in the middle of next week, coastal mist in the morning and at night. 22 degrees the latest readings, relative humidity is at 83%. Have a good weekend. The government provides public COVID-19 testing services through different channels. Those without symptoms but feel they have a higher risk of exposure can visit designated public clinics or other distribution points to obtain free test kits. Those having compulsory tests can visit community testing centers for free testing. The centers also provide self-paid services to those needing test reports for personal use. If feeling ill, see a doctor promptly and don't go elsewhere. 32, the news with Samantha Butler. The United States has criticised Beijing's reforms of Hong Kong's electoral system, which will see an expanded election committee nominate candidates for the post of chief executive and the legislature. State Department spokesman Ned Price said the reforms were a direct attack on Hong Kong's autonomy, freedoms and democratic processes. The British Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab said the changes would further undermine confidence and trust in Beijing, while the European Union warned China it could take additional steps and would pay increased attention to the situation in Hong Kong. State mouthpiece The Global Times says China will soon hold its first trial for two Canadians who've been held since 2018 and charged with espionage last year. Michael Spavor and Michael Kovrig were arrested in December 2018, seen by some as a response to the arrest of Huawei senior executive Meng Wanzhou in Canada on a U.S. warrant. And President Biden has signed into law his 1.9 trillion U.S. dollar stimulus bill. At the signing, he said an overwhelming percentage of Americans strongly supported the package. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Welcome to a brand new morning, and now the back chat's through. Hold tight to the side of your seat, it's the morning brew. It's Phil Whelan and he's dealing an interview or two. Live now on Radio 3, it's the morning brew. He'll entertain you lots, well fingers crossed, until his voice is shot. A dedicated individual Sit back, enjoy the chat Plus a tune or two Hold tight to the side of your seats It's the morning brew it certainly is, and welcome to Friday. I'm Phil Wheeler. We're not chefing, chefing today. Instead, the first hour is all about the music. Before 10.30, everything, today and today only, ladies, will be brand new from 2021. After that... It's half an hour of gold and classic hits, things to take you back that I never normally play on Morning Brew, and I promise, not the obvious stuff. 11 plus, it's this week's Sports and All with Danny Hicks. Our governor sports reporter, then in utmost style, we'll wrap up the week with our tame movie critic James Marsh, reviewing Raya, The Last Dragon, 
Coming to America, Tom and Jerry, which apparently absolutely loved, and more. Join us on Facebook Live on and off throughout this Friday morning. My baby messed me around, yeah, she don't love me anymore, and I know that for sure. She put her hands 